Listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfy. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code Perfy for 15% off today. Hey everybody, welcome to another show of Food Chain presented by Perfy. We got an awesome guest with us today, Trey Joshi with us. Trey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Long time coming. I'm stoked to have you, to be honest. I don't even know if I pronounced your last name right, but we're going to go with it, even if I did. You, you're actually the first dude to say it right. Everyone hits me with a, yeah, everyone hits with me a Joshi, or a, but I always say Yoshi with a J, so it's just Joshi. Hell yes. I, I, I take pride in, in getting that. I love when I get like the, the Vasas, because that's what my old <laughs> my high school football coach used to do that, just to, to get my goat. These days, I embrace it. But man, I was really rolling the dice, and I'm glad I nailed it. Shrey, um, give us an intro about yourself. Tell us uh, how you got to where you're at today. I'll start from the from the beginning, and then I'll go into what I'm up to now. So I grew up in San Diego. I was like one of three like fat dudes in all of San Diego. So actually, like growing up, was seeing everybody be like sexy, skinny, healthy, being like in all these like wellness, like you know, food beverage trends. And my parents had a like coffee shop and a restaurant growing up where we basically like all kind of immigrant kids, you just kind of end up growing up there. And so we were always just kind of around like all the like the fun food, kind of like coffee houses, tea houses, sandwich shops, all that stuff in Pacific Beach and La Jolla. And so just kind of grew up like knowing of the the wellness space, but like that never really penetrated into like what I was doing on a day-to-day. I was like the, I was like the Taco Bell and going to the Beach King. And so like just grew up super overweight. Went to university, actually studied like nutritional biochemistry. I um, started off in psychology. Then I had my like my professor basically call me fat, and I was like, "Well, what do I do?" Uh, he's like, "Well, you should try this thing called like chemistry. You'll like learn way more about your body than like all these like foodie bloggers on the internet talking about how like like collagen is going to like change their life when you know like like they're not talking about the whole picture." And so from there, just like started doing biochem, started learning a bunch about the body. Ended up losing about like a hundred pounds in college and just like fell in love, like fell in love with like supplements, nutrition, fitness, all of that. And so when I was doing my graduate, you know, research, my uh, PI introduced me to, you know, the GNC team, ended up working there on like the sales side that then turned into like helping them with like some of their like in-store like marketing and kind of the like, communications. And like that like, kicked off my like, career in like food dev. I, I did it for, you know, a couple of months as this is like way more fun than being a doctor like my parents want me to be. And so switched it up into doing food dev marketing. So from there, moved to New York, uh, worked at a company called Chacha Matcha. And so helped them with, you know, the digital launching, you know, our TDs, you know, helping scale up our, our retail shops, did some really, really awesome, cool collabs while we were there. So we did we did a Nike collab. We did some crazy stuff with Ray-Bans and, you know, a bunch of like the fun brands that we all love and like learned how to build brand without having to use paid media. So like our whole goal was like, how do we not spend a bunch of money on advertising and doing the thing that like makes brands not cool? Like how do we do like the fun, creative, cool things that like get the people talking, right? And so just had a, like a blast working there. And then from there, went to a company called Nugs who's now Simulate. So I was their head of growth, helped them with launching Simulate. 
really expanding kind of like the digital tone of voice, the brand tone of voice across like all the different advertising organic channels, did some like awesome, really fun shit there. Like Nugs was like the perfect like anti-brand is how I would call it. Yeah. Just focused on like, how do we make stuff that's like extremely shareable? And then that then filtered itself into the advertising world. So got really good on the growth side. Then was at a company called HealthAid. So it was helping on all things digital retail growth. Uh, and then recently that company got acquired, started a company called Good Peeps. And so Good Peeps, the idea there is that we work with brands that are both in retail and in digital or on digital rather. And we help them with all of their brand marketing, all of their retail marketing. And like the, the third bucket, our biggest bucket is like the, how are we cool and do cool, creative, fun, funky shit that like cuts through the noise marketing. And so that's what most brands come to us to do is like, how do we not be the like playbook business? Like how do we do the things that like get, get the industry, investors, consumers, retailers like really hyped about us so we have a, a bunch of like awesome clients now so we have brands like cage muscle who's in the supplement space that kind of connects back to the gnc world big retail players like the chomps of the space like the like, kind of the meat sticks and then like the you know up-and-coming challenger brands like the fly by jing and the sanzos and the sounds of the world we're plugging in with those guys so that's like a, a really long way of introducing myself a couple of questions perked up or even just comments i love that you said we don't want to be like that playbook brand with good peeps because so many founders and operators out there, they, I, I call it observation as experience where they observe a brand doing dope shit, yeah. but they don't see everything that went into that and all of the thought process and all of the other things that they did that sucked that finally led to something that's like, boom, that's fire. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I really love. One thing I'll tell you a couple near wins i had when i was at quest nutrition and i could just never get these approved past the finish line i had odell beckham jr when we were going to launch the waffle waffle cereal bars i'm not going to say i'm not going to say what it costs but i'll say it's not what you think it wasn't at that time yeah he was going to wear waffle cleats at a game conjoined yeah. social post when people are like yeah. why are you wearing waffle cleats and then i think kyrie irving came out with his waffle nikes like missed opportunity when stranger things stranger things season one this is when it was budding like people are yeah. like, hey, hey did you watch that new show on netflix yeah and they're like what, which one so that like that point of virality was with stranger things i had gaten matazaro oh what's his name in um they used to call him toothless in season one they stopped doing that because it's an actual thing that he has in real life and it's kind of oh, mean man. anyway what is his name in the show i completely oh, he, blanking oh my gosh it's a uh, dustin so Dustin in the show, he's the, the the bigger kid with the curly hair, the awesomest yep. my favorite character. Before that went viral, I was going to have him voiceover a Stranger Things a cooking recipe that we had for Quest. <laughs> and we, we had it all dialed in with UTA, everything. We we're good to go. I was going to split the cost with my buddy Danny at Halo Top. And we we're going to do an ice cream cake where it like does this whole upside down thing. If you, if you YouTube it, you'll still see it. But I couldn't get the, the spend approved to get him voiceover. It's a long-winded way of saying... I love the creative shit that builds brand because I don't think advertising can really build brand. Like maybe if you're liquid death, they've done a good job with stuff that's quote unquote advertising, but not really either way. I love what you're doing with good peeps. Thank you. What are some things that like similar to what I just mentioned, some things that ideas that you love that just never got past the finish line. For another? Off. I mean, there were a lot of projects. Like I think that <laughs> that's a great question. Like one that absolutely 
it took a longer time, but like now that it's out in the universe, it's absolutely crushed. Like Dino Nugs was the perfect thing ever, right? Like, like that for for Nugs was like this one of the smartest moves. It was like that was when like the Nuggets, the Nuggies, the the Chicken Tendies like wave had started. So that was one thing that we were like trying to push faster, but like to no one's surprise, like custom pressed, you know, Dino Nugget kind of uh, machines are not cheap. Another one was at Chacha. We we tried to pitch everyone, right? Like with Chacha, the big thing was how do we make sure that we're like showing up in all the crazy, like right places? So like we wanted to go into like lifestyle. We wanted to go into like celebrity. We wanted to go into like all those guys. Like Sean White was at like Chacha a bunch of times and we tried to figure something out with him. That never ended up happening. But like think of like Sean White was like going to the Olympics with like a pink and green board, like something that you would just never see on the snow. Those were things. It, it like it always ends up being that like the good ideas are either killed by like the senior executive marketers that don't have like a creative bone in their body and they're just like worried about like maintaining like category growth that year, or it's like someone's like manager is like pushing it down because it might not be like the most PR safe. Like there's there's a bunch of great ideas that like I think we're coming up with on a day to day, but we're realizing that like once there's like venture backed money, you can't necessarily do anything that you want to be doing. Oh yes, I hear that. You got to play yeah. safe when you got the, uh, the, the VC dollars. The VC uh, dollars. I think about that a lot. There's times in my career where I would ask certain founders that are crushing it, that have, have taken on money. Like, you know, there's certain, certain risks that they can't take, but there was also one thing that was super enlightening to me where a founder, I asked him a, a question where I was like, what do you do when an, an investor just doesn't kind of get, get it. what you're trying to do? Yeah. And he's like, well, you probably you probably got the wrong investor, and that was one of those things where it just like it stuck with me. I can't, I can't get too into detail; it has nothing to do with with Perfy or GB or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, it was just wow! Like there's investors out there that do have that open mind, that do have that creativity, that are open to that. But one one risk you are taking is once you, you got one shot at it. You know, yeah. If, if you do something wild and creative and it flops, then you probably don't have that. But yes. Just fall on again. How do you think about that? Because you think about a company like, like it, it relates to like it relates to Perfy so well. You think about a company like Liquid Depth, they are teetering constantly on the edge of like this is still hitting every single time that we do it. But if they start missing a couple of times, then they're right on that line of like it's either hits with our consumer bases or it completely flops. Like, how do you make sure that you're doing creative marketing in the way that like? When people see, they just go, "Oh fuck yeah!" Like that's that's it. Like how are you? How are you consistently doing that? Because you have like you are killing it on Twitter, fucking coming up with like aliases for your for your people on LinkedIn. Like your guys's copy is absolutely insane. Like where does this like where does this like creative juice like flow from? Perfect came from a need state for me where like I put on a bunch of weight after I lost a lot of friends and family members. I stopped working out. I built GB and it was doing well and. I just stopped caring about my health. And on top of that, I was getting beat down. People always say, you're so lucky you work for yourself. And that's not really true. I've been fired, quote unquote, fired like 50 to 100 times in the past five years. Yeah. You know, there's clients that you just don't do well for. You got some hits, you got some misses. You're, my main goal was to try to keep a reputation where if I do mess up or I do not provide results like to do it in an ethical way like hey my bad you know here's a refund or here's this or whatever i can do but to answer your specific question with perfy there's no 
there's no real guardrails other than those that I set. And typically, if you think of it like a bowling alley, I'm about to make up some random freaking analogy. When you work with clients, there's there's sometimes bowling alleys with the bumpers on it. There's sometimes yeah. bowling alleys with no bumpers, and there's sometimes a bowling alley that's like one tenth the size, and that's your that's your your wiggle room. Yeah. With Perfy, I was able to take five years of getting ideas shut down, probably ten years to be honest, because a lot of my ideas got shut down at Quest, and finally execute on them. The, the link, Dr. Perfect LinkedIn, you know, that's something I've been playing with for a long time. I just had to find the right time to bust that one out. You know, there's, and it's not, it's, it's nothing that I created. There's some funny ass LinkedIn's out there. I think Tony Soprano has a LinkedIn. I look at it every once in a while and just fucking crack up. And I wanted to do that with Dr. Perfect, but do it in a way where it's like the, the antithesis of what people want on LinkedIn. I, I should put that in a way where it's not braggadocious it's like just absolute stand-up comedy can i make dr perfy like the funniest nft character can i make her like a bart simpson and that's where those things come from and ultimately it's just years worth of ideas being shut down where with perfy i could just let it fly there's there's no one stopping me now yeah it's like this like statement that's like the it's like the best managers are the most gifted and talented operators that absolutely had a an inability to digest bullshit that is like you to a T, which is just like, you can tell that like, it's just like, there's so much of it. And like, you're just kind of starting. And so like, you're like a huge point of inspiration, I think for a lot of people in the space. And I think that has to be said. I love that. Thank you, man. Yeah. It's just ultimately having fun. I think what it comes down to, I know everyone says that, but yeah. with, with Perfy, it's like, man, I could just have so much fun with it. The, the product you know, brings joy. It tastes good. Like you, you've tried it. You love it. Like yeah. I, I think the ultimate goal with it is, I take a lot of inspiration from from Liquid Death, but I'm one of the ones where I'm not the biggest fan of like satanic stuff. I'm, <laughs> the, 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 to, the Tony Hawk blood thing. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of. I'm not honestly. I, I'm getting a little jaded with like ad hooks. Like you see some yeah. people really thirsty with their ad hooks. You know, like in the first three seconds, what what kind of crazy shit's going to go down? And this, you know, like it's it's. Yeah. I, I try to do stray away from those sorts of norms because if it's easy yeah. and everyone can do it, it's probably something that you shouldn't always be doing. Absolutely. I've gotten sort of way too many lotion ads recently. Some of the craziest shit where I'm like, how is this getting put like through the, like the algorithm? So it's like, yeah, I, I'm such a fan of just like, how do you do less that's like better inspired and like better executed on versus like, Hey, we're seeing this brand. Like, I think the perfect example of what you were kind of talking about in the beginning of the, of the chat, which was like, once uh we're really not strangers like became the like the the mental wellness like happiness company every single brand that had issues with their social media not doing well became a wellness better for you brand where like all of a sudden you were seeing like your favorite skincare brands all of a sudden talking about like mental health on a day-to-day and like you're just kind of like seeing this like uh, you're constantly seeing that these companies that are started by these like venture-backed private equity guys that are like, hey, there's like these spaces in the categories, don't really like start or kind of communicate like the need state that the business came from because there never was one. And so you're seeing that they actually change up like who they are, why they are and what they are to kind of just like match the every like two weeks of like what's trending on on IG. Yeah. And so you're seeing like a bunch of these brands that have a fuck ton of funding that actually have no soul. And so like, I think that like, that's just something that we constantly talk about with like all of our clients on the good peep side, which is like, how do we do something that's memorable two or three or four or five months from now? 
like versus like the quick like wins on like the two second hook that you were finding on like does your back hurt and like everyone goes oh my god yes my back hurts and then they go well you should drink this like soda alternative you're like wait what what the fuck does this have to do with that like yeah it's just like telling more authentic brand stories i think is like the name of the game for us at this point agreed and yeah going back to the one of the ad hooks i saw i I just realized there's a hide ad button so i've been able to block out some of the noise because i think there's there's two real things that i think are important in at least in my book and it's taking inspiration from the right brands but also taking inspiration from from bad operators and and not necessarily applying that inspiration it's putting that in your pocket saying i'm never going to do that and i I saw one recently where it was media buyers who had were running an ad and some dude dunked on another dude on like a nerf basketball hoop and then said hey like then went into his pitch and that the whole point of him dunking on that nerf basketball hoop on his buddy or coworker was just get get my attention and get me to stop scrolling all that got me to do was like Man, like that's not the way. So I, I hid that ad and I've been hiding a bunch. For some reason right now, I think Meta thinks I'm a, a restaurant owner. So many people have been, and even LinkedIn, people are reaching out saying, hey, we have this like restaurant operations SaaS company. Or I'm like, why, why do you think I own Why are restaurant? you hitting me up? I, I got an email from a brand that said, and it was like a home's good product. And it said, important tax information inside. And that was their subject line. And on the inside, it said, ha ha, we got you. And that, that operator was like, well, we got 80% open rates. The, the algorithms are like the game for marketing has now become like, how do we hack these algorithms versus like creating art and creative store, like creating storytelling that like fits within each of these categories. It's like now these like operators that are being held, their bonuses are being held to these like weird singular metrics, like open rate, click through rates, cost per acquisition. It's kind of just like led to this like over optimization era. People simply treating their businesses like BI businesses, where they're like, "How are we optimizing this like piece of shit?" Without like ever actually kind of understanding that the, like what the thing that they're kind of pushing to the consumer is at the end of the day just a piece of shit, and they're just like they're trying to put a bow on it and like call it not that. That's exactly it. It's like a, a tiff, like one of those beautiful blue, teal blue Tiffany boxes. Like, yeah, yeah I, I got you. Like they leave it on my front doorstep and you open it up and there's a poop in it. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's, 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 and I hate the emails that are like, they act like the, it was a reply email. Like they were replying to me to something I wrote and they put RE colon, like, and like, stop. stop tricking people. You're making such a bad name for us. Or someone who goes, Hey, I heard that you got an award in high school 12 years ago. I'm so proud of you for that. By the way, have you heard of acquisition marketing? Would love to have a chat with you. Yeah, man. Like that, that's like a huge thing that when we get to like our client side, it's like we have had brands that have come to us that have literally been in the exact same category. They are the Coke and the Pepsi of certain like categories and spaces. I have like shipped the products to our team members. I've had them blind, like have had them like blindfold themselves. I like have one of their friends pour the products into a cup or like unwrap a bar or things like that and blindly taste them. Whichever the two of those is like objectively better, we work with those clients all the time. Because like it's what I've found is that it's easier to actually fix the marketing for almost all these companies because half of the time it's like people like following each other on D2C Twitter of like a bunch of people that have never actually built a business, or it's like a bunch of founders hearing things from their friends that are lying to them on their marketing, like trying some things. But if they have like a good liquid, if they have like a good bar, if they have a good product, like that is like the, the indicator for success for us from there. And then two, it's like, who's the founder? 
Like if the founder has, this is the best way of putting it. If the founder has something to prove to the world, those are the people that we work with. The people that have like the fire under their ass versus the, the founders that can just kind of like have this thing fail. And like, they still have like, you know, 30, whatever, 40 million in trust funds to be operating off of after that. I, I want to zoom into this. So there's two things in, Again, sometimes I gotta I gotta keep a wraps on the specifics, but I think that there's some bad habits. I you as an agency, you probably have times where somebody hires a brand manager or a new CMO from a big ass company. You know yeah. that you got two or three months left. But what I've learned in those instances is there's a again going back to I love learning good things and I love learning bad things. Use the yeah. good things, throw away the bad things. What I've learned anytime that somebody from VC or Procter and Gamble or Unilever or Nestle or whatever, they are so used to having so much runway, so much money that their indecision costs more than just executing quickly. It might not be perfect. It might not have pivot tables to estimate outcomes. And what is this going to do in fucking Omaha, Nebraska? But people that are moving faster and testing things startup brands, people who's like took a hundred grand in savings or five grand in savings, they're moving faster and testing shit. Whereas when big business comes in, they're used to having, you know, two years of runway and they're always pivoting back and forth on messaging and you can't really get shit done. That's just one thing I wanted to say, because you mentioned the VC stuff earlier. It's just, it's not always the best move for a startup startup. There's value in like, you know, more of a mature startup bringing on someone. But every time I've experienced, it's like, Fuck, here we go. <laughs> you know, like there goes all the work we did. There's Darvesh, who was the founder and kind of chief product officer at HubSpot. He just talked about this um, in a startup. If you're hiring people that are press worthy oriented, meaning like you'll see like a thing on Wall Street Journal that says like Perfy just hired the old VP of marketing at uh, Procter and Gamble, that means that you probably fucked up. That means that like either you got on the right, like the bad investors, you got like really weird pressure from your friends because what you have to finding as like a, as a startup is like, you actually just need the people that don't have, like you just said, the culmination of those like bad learnings for like the stage of the business that you're at. Like the, those, those learnings are invaluable to a Procter and Gamble if you're a marketer at that size. But we found that like, if you hire those types of people in the, in the smaller startup worlds, they have their PLs written out. They have their marketing objectives for the year done. They're they're trying to do a 0.1% category game of like how do we do like one splash moment in like our retailer uh, shops for the year. That's just like a thing that came to mind when you said that. I, I think there's worlds where it makes a ton of sense. Like one example I think of is Yanni at Lemon Perfect. He's treating his company like he was recruiting back in college, and I fucking love watching all of these new hires. Yeah, that's dope. And there's been some bad ones where. People are hiring dudes to replace women founders and it's kind of uncomfortable. Like, well, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't know like what's under the hood, but still it's awkward look, you know? Um, I think there's good and good and bad. It's like 100%. I'm, I can't wait till perfect gets to a place where I can bring on a CEO from a badass big business that crushed it for whatever water or this or that, or the other, because there's only a certain point that I want to take a beverage company to. I want to go to the fun marketing brand right. stuff. You know, I love what, what Allison did at Poppy. Yeah. Because she's over at Chief, she's Chief Brand Officer now. She brought Rubenstein over from Watermelon mm-hmm. Water. He's got a great track record. Then um, that one other dude from like the Energy Drinks, now their new CEO. Like yeah. that, that's cool. That makes yeah. sense. You know, Ruby actually used to be at Health Aid. Did he? That, 
Yeah, small world. It's all the Kavu family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this like new world of founders, like the you guys, the Obvi founders, like the Ash and the Ron of the world, who are like these like single channel like wizards, like you brand side, Ash on like all things like growth and like general marketing, Ron on like all things like ops and people. And so like you're seeing this like new wave, and I'm so interested to see how this happens for for all of you guys, which is like these badass like single channel like owners that then like as a result of their ability to just like understand so much about one part of the business that actually like translates quite well into other parts of the business. And like you guys as like founders end up being like just so, so much more plugged into every single part of the business that I bet there's going to be like a wave of like founders who started CPG brands, sold those CPG brands, and then started to become CEOs of the companies that said CPG brand like acquired. So like that, that's going to be like an interesting trend to see what happens. Yeah, I think there's years ago. Um, I was actually on uh, Beyond the Shelf earlier today with Chef's Best, and he told me, like, dude, this sounds like the second chapter in your career. Like, you've got a good third one. He said something very, very similar. And I, I can't wait for that one to come out because I was just dropping heat bombs the entire time, I think. <laughs> I hope at least. One thing I want to touch on you, you mentioned this when you were talking about like your, your bio. I love that you, you, you talked about how you dropped a hundred pounds. And one thing that I don't talk about much is, I was like 140 pounds in second grade. I was like 197 and fourth. I was such an enormous child. I was getting after it with the food. I couldn't even play Pop Warner football. I was just too big. They thought I was going to kill kids. But eighth grade going into ninth, I lost like 50 pounds, was, you know, ripped throughout high school, went to college. I was like, oh, this is fun. Put that all on back, put that all back on and more. But I was like a growing adult at that time. But after college, I turned down an internship at the UN in New York. Like I crushed this final, my professor was like, dude, you've got to come be an in, like, intern for me at the UN. I was like, no way I'm going home and I'm gonna drop all this weight. I just torn my pack, dropped, I think my record is 72 pounds of loss. This this next journey is gonna be my, my, my record record. But I, I love that you're able to talk about those things quite easily. You know, for some people it's not too comfortable. So I just wanted to, to share on that and talk about maybe how you did it. So the way I did it, was I just, I was a biochem nerd, right? So like I was trying to spend half of my time outside of the lab reading biochem and nutrition books and just like trying the stuff with my body. So like for me, it was, it was just resetting my, my like focuses. Like I was like raised in such a, such a way that like school was number one, everything else was number two. And like, I think that a lot of people today do the same thing but with work where it's like work is number one everything by far is number two and like most of those people are the people that are working in the health and wellness the better for you category like us so like over time i had to just really learn like how do i like have more me time like how do i how do i like cook more food like get connected back with like nature in that capacity how am i like moving and challenging my like my brain not just from like an academic perspective but from like a mental at the gym and like that, that just kind of like additions and balances into my life, I think like really made me love this space a lot more. Like I think a lot of people sell this whole kind of like snake oil thing in, in our category where they say like, take this one product and like you'll feel way better. And I think that a lot of the brands that are, uh, are started by the company or by the people that have this kind of like health and wellness journey from from their side, you actually see it a lot in their marketing where it's like, hey, like this is a thing that's going to help like amplify the good or make you feel even better. But the the brands that kind of like start at a base of like, 
better mental, better wellness, getting out more, having those kind of like causes and kind of like missions is just like what made me fall in love with the space. So like, that's why I love the supplement space so much, right? Like outside of like most of food dev, most of food dev is just talking about how they're like, like shittier than, or like less shitty than Nutella, less shitty than this, less shitty than that. But what the supplement space has done a really good job of is like the aspirational component of your life, right? Where it's like, how how are you pushing yourself like mentally in work at the gym with your relationships with your like with your family stuff like that and so we're actually bringing a lot of that storytelling into our food bev brands and that has completely shifted the way that i think that a lot of our our teams now think about community for for these retail brands it's like you don't actually need to talk about product like product is probably 10 15 of it the other 80 90 of it is like the people, you, your story, the the challenges, the the wins, the all of that stuff. Like people really care about that. Not like how your product has like two grams less sugar than the competitor. Going back going back to the old trade though, what'd you do specifically with your biochem experience to to drop the hundred pounds? Did you run I a mostly lot more plant based? Like really because I was so fat when I started that I couldn't work out. Like my knees would just be my knees would be destroyed. Like if I if I went for a run, like you think about like being like 250, 260 pounds. Like if you're applying that pressure when you're just kind of like jumping up and landing on your knee, you're probably applying like over five, six hundred pounds of just weight every single time you're taking a step. So like I was so fat that it was first the food. And so it was like number one, I had to find a lot of swaps to like get rid of the sugar cravings. Like this was like back in the day when like Quest honestly was like one of the the first brands like the chips like those things were crack like that to me was like the ultimate like I am a I'm such a texture eater that like those things like completely saved my life. I then like swapped into like the sparkling water. I swapped into the low fat cheese. I swapped into the lower fat proteins, and so there were like foods that I had to swap with like a healthy alternative. That's what I think got me into CPG was like seeing hey like. This is really killing the craving of mine. And then there were like the, the the introduction of like the actual real foods, like the grains, the the meats, the like the organic products, all of that. And then once I like started cutting a little bit, once I like stopped eating like three, four thousand calories a day, because that's where I was at when I started tracking my calories. My fitness pal was a whole thing. My fitness pal was like the the godsend. But actually, this is a shame. My fitness pal now requires you to spend money on the scan bar functionality so you can't scan your meals anymore they just did that update the other day uh so i wish that i could plug it and talk about how it changed my life but like now it's behind the paywall but like before that like i would literally just scan everything started understanding what was in what trying to hit this maintenance of like 2500 calories lost the first 30 pounds that way then started going on walks then started going on more walks the Pokemon Go actually came out. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And I would walk like eight to 10 miles a day in Boston, just fucking catching Pokemon like a kid, dropped a bunch of weight that way. And then after that, once I, once I started feeling amazing, started going to the gym, started taking the pre-workout, started taking the protein powders, the glutamines, the, all of that. So it was kind of a slow progression, but it was really the foods first. Pokemon Go, I remember that came out. We were at our new office at Quest. That's also when something called Musically came out. (laughs) And we were crushing it on music. We actually had a hire, James Cha, if he's ever listened to this. Here's a shout out to James. He his title was Emerging Platforms Manager. 
Right. So he was, he'd be the guy that was searching for the next B reels or TikToks yeah. and it musically was TikTok. And we had so much fun. We had a running series inside the, it's, it was the old Zico office in, in El Segundo. Yep. There's these, these windows where the sun shines through and it's during, during certain times of the day, there was this fucking painful shine that would blind your eyes. So we'd had this one series where me and my buddy, Mike Curtis and Yoni and a few others, we would, and Clark, we'd walk into like that bright ass shining light and like fall on the ground or do whatever and i don't know i don't even know how musically worked back then i didn't touch that but we it was fun man i miss those days i know my answer to this now i've got to ask this one to you because you, you do with so many different brands what's your favorite brand right now you can't you can't name one of your clients so i won't name one of mine i won't name a client well i will name a client really quickly and then i'll name a non-client go for it chomps was the only product that I ever bought on subscription on Amazon. That was a food and bev product. So back in the day when I was at Health Aid trying to get back into just like, I could not find a snack that like didn't make me feel like shit after, I actually started eating chomps. And so like that was how that whole relationship started. Like I like met Stacy at Expo and I just like yelled at her. I was just like, I fucking love this product. It's literally the only thing that I like have ever bought on subscription. And then years later, we're now working together, which is like a crazy awesome experience a emerging brand that i absolutely fucking love graza i think that like shout outs kendall shout outs grace who just fucking beat us on the repeat side mm-hmm. uh, on the cpas but like that brand gives me such hard sir kensington's energy where it's like the packaging is so well done the brand is so well done the website like never needs to be you know edited in terms of its design that that company will just fucking scale and, and kind of go to the moon forever and then like a non-emerging brand that like consistently blows my mind that's such a good question what do i have on my laptop oh that's easy not happy i think they've done a great job of like owning a conversation authentically right like they they started off with like the mental health right when it was kind of right timing right place right time all that stuff but before they got big like that was their like day one mo was just like pushing that positivity in the in the sea of bullshit and like they from a brand collab perspective like the looney tunes collab that that was like childhood perfect done they know exactly who their target audience is and they know exactly who to work with and a last one honorary mention trap the hidden valley ranch collab holy shit that's just one that hits right there yeah so like um, Calvin at that team and both of the Knicks like that, that's probably one of the coolest thing. And as well as like them with the Taco Bell collab, that's like, as you can tell, like I'm very much more like, at least me as a marketer, I'm so much more inspired by the companies that do those amazing collabs and those amazing like mixes of the two worlds and telling like an awesome story out of it. Cause like, that's where I started in marketing. And that's what I found to be like the best way at scaling your audience. It's like, how do you like take advantage of like, the cool factor of other companies and like bring in your story and kind of mend it with theirs. Yeah. I think the truck hidden Valley ranch is amazing. And I think that that Valley has now been found. It's, it's, no, longer, <laughs> it's no longer hidden. So I love Graza too. Um, Kendall sent me some, it's freaking delicious. The, yeah. the, dr- the drizzle, I had to put myself on some rations on that because it was too good, <laughs> but the, I do have um, the jalapeno uh, chomps in my kitchen right now. I got some yesterday at Trader Joe's. Very interesting that they got into Trader Joe's branded yep. early on. That's so cool. Yep. I think Lunar just did that in New York. Health Aid's also in all Trader Joe's, yeah. non-branded, same with GTs. Yeah, absolutely crushing it. Um, 
Trader Joe's, I just went there. I've been going there a lot more lately. They have this new sparkling fruit juice. Such great branding. I looked at it. I was like, this is kind of like. Is it the watermelon juice? It's watermelon, strawberry, and um, <laughs> what's the third one? Is it pineapple? Yeah. And the the, the multi-pack, the little four-pack looks like the fruit. I was like, this is dope. This is going in the mood board for Perfy. High, high sugar, though. All right. Mine. <laughs> Client, I stand Magic Spoon always. Yeah, they get a little too much hate on Twitter, man. I think people just hate on people that are crushing it. Non-brand, I'm just a big fan of the uh, vacation stuff, like that whipped cream launch was just oh, yeah, so, so juicy. That big fan of that. Cool. What's a product that you use a bunch? How about that? I just retired from C4, so yeah. I was I was crushing C4 when you asked me a couple weeks ago. You know how much caffeine do you intake every day i was like oh not much you know like three or four hundred grams you're like dude we'll get you on cage <laughs> yeah we'll um, get you on cage moving forward what do i use the most of i, I drink probably fucking three cases of perfume a week but that's that's home court advantage i can't answer that i do like sanzo i like yeah. spin drift yeah i'm, I'm a big Sandro's probably like talk about a dude who's like one of the best founders in the space like that you two would you two would love each other We've actually never chatted um, in person or, or on Zoom or phone or anything like that, but I can't wait till that day Yeah, what he's doing. He's crushing it. What's your take on TikTok? Are any of your brands crushing it on TikTok? Are you as bullish as all of these people kind of showing it on LinkedIn and all that and Twitter? If you actually do this exercise about people that talk about how they love TikTok as a channel, the amount of them that are actually doing well on TikTok as a channel is like 2%, if that. Yeah. Here's my take on it. Nugs, when we were doing TikTok back in the day, we were kind of one of the, the first brands to do it. I think that there are brands that genuinely can win on that channel. And I think it's the brands that have actual storytelling to do. Like that, that's where I think TikTok will have, it, have a lot of fun. I think if you're a brand and you're just trying to copy the trends and perpetuity on TikTok to try to launch that channel, you will never take off. I think a, a really great brand that absolutely crushed it, you already brought them up, like Poppy. The reason that like Poppy absolutely smashed it on that channel was they took the founder story and they just let that run. Yeah. Like you think about like a brand like La La Land Kind Cafe, who's like two streets over, like their whole thing was just like consistent, like what makes you happy? Who makes you happy? Like these kind of like storytelling elements like people can connect to. Like you don't want to do these like I use this word way too much after the Kardashian said it, then I continue to do so. Like you don't you don't want to be this like chuggy brand that like tries to like go into like a new channel expansion and like just does things for the sake of like a short gain on like twenty five hundred views. I think that like brands need to really think through like how they actually approach that channel. And I think that you're actually given the ability to fail more, but really double down on who the who the brand is and your style of storytelling. And at some point the algorithm will like kick it and like let it rip. It actually like how do I say this in like a much smarter way? It's like TikTok gives you the ability to fail a bunch and not feel bad about it because that's just simply the name of the game of TikTok. And I think that it gives brands the ability to actually figure out what they're saying, and then they just need to figure out the how that is being said on that channel. I think you said it pretty smart. I'll be honest, I fucking hate TikTok, and I paused on it. There's a few reasons why. First one is. There is so Twitter is its own thing with like hate and trolls and that, mm -hmm. but TikTok, you really see the like the underbelly of some issues going on, not just in America but across the world. Yeah. I think it was compounded by the pandemic. 
I just saw a video of like the heavyweight champion of the world, the, the dude from um, England, the, the bald guy. He, he's not in the best shape, but he's just the baddest boxer on the planet. Yeah. Um, he beat Anthony Joshua, I think, twice. Yeah. He, he's not in the best shape, but he was he was sparring with a smaller guy. The smaller guy was like a professional boxer beating the shit out of him, like in terms of like he was allowing the guy to punch him in the stomach. And you look at that, like, that's dope. You know, he's the champion. He's the best boxer on the planet. And you, you go in the comments mm-hmm. and there's just so much hate being like just thrown out. Spread. And that's why I hate TikTok because no matter how positive a message you can, you can send, there is going to be people. And the, the conventional wisdom in the past was like, don't feed the trolls and all that. But there's, there's a point where there's so much negativity and I just don't think that every brand is ready for that. Because think about the community managers or the social media managers, if that's under their, on their plate. They have to deal with that so much over time. And then everyone's always talking about mental health. And I'm, I'm a very big pro- proponent of it. Like, of how, what can we do to prevent people from being, like, feeling so down, you know? But I'm, you're just talking about a brand where they're, what makes you happy? So if I, if I post a video on TikTok right now, and I was like, my mom, my dog, my girlfriend make me extremely happy, my family. There's going to be someone in that comment section that says something completely hurtful. Now, I don't need to take that personally, but the fact that yeah. somebody has to community manage that, whether it's me or somebody else, it's so fucked up. And that's why I hate TikTok. There's too many people. The biggest people shilling TikTok are those that are making money off of TikTok, directly or indirectly. But they're not talking about the absolute hatred that is on it. And that's something that needs to be addressed more. I just, there's blank profile pictures, a bunch of random alphanumeric handles just spreading the, the most amount of hate and that's what i hate about tiktok here's my take on the hate and this might be because i i come from the space of like just having grown up in it which is like we know this on the advertising side too right like you go on the facebook ad or you go on an instagram ad it is the people that are looking to feel something that have fucking hated their day and so like i i've always found that like that that is like one huge learning curve. What I've like categorized TikTok more now as is like the the early days of the internet where like there was like comment trolls. Like Reddit, Reddit X TikTok is actually like the perfect example. Like if you think about Reddit, the goal of Reddit is to get as many like upvotes as you possibly can to hack the algorithm. And a lot of the time they're like these like meta, like fifth dimensional, like crazy out there comments to drive engagement that has kind of brought itself over into the TikTok space where it has been like this, this channel where like everyone is making like a really like fucked up joke or a really like crazy comment to drive those, those comments likes. But like if you have something of value to say, I will never ding TikTok when it comes to its algorithm and its ability to kind of push those messages to the most amount of people or have the highest probable chance of being able to hit a very wide net new audience. So like, that's where like we really like push TikTok to being like the the YouTube reels, the Insta or the YouTube shorts, the Instagram reels, the TikTok space. Like we still continue to push it on that side. But I think that if you're like a consumer side of things, like if, the way that I interact with it, like well, I think the way that a lot of people interact with it is like they go to the comments for some form of entertainment. But I don't necessarily think it is like a reflection on the brand. I think maybe the brand operators feel it the most because like it's your child it's your it's either your job or you're the founder and it's your product and you you feel it like the most but you you kind of just see that it's more of a reflection of those people doing that things than than it is of your company agreed it's not on the companies that are embracing it and trying to grow you you got to do what what you got to do 
I just yeah. think that from a there's so many people getting banned off TikTok for content that's not breaking the rules, yeah. and there's just not enough there's not enough enforcement of like in the comments. Like I go to the comments and try to read some funny. There's some of the funniest shit so in the comments, but yeah. there's also some of the worst shit. Um, Ever. I, I do appreciate TikTok you know, because brands are able to, to to build their business off of it. But from a like human level, I I, I actually dread clicking into that app. Like I. I've had bad experiences with creators, people ghosting. And when it came to, to Perfuse PL, I was like, I'm just going to hold on this for now until I can really put the right foot forward and, and have a strategy around this instead of just trying to put trash out there. It relates so, back to like marketing 101, though, right? Like marketing channels are only as good as the marketers that want to market on it. And so, like, I, I think that like there are some kids or some people that are just like born in that era, like born in the quote unquote like darkness, like Bane joke, but there are people that just like understand that and they just know how to operate knowing those kind of like those like guardrails or those kind of like um those turn down because like if you like launched instagram early early days like like, like instagram was uh was a fucking battleground <laughs> it was like True. like you were getting people like like you were probably a part of a bunch of these not the cancel groups but like a bunch of these group chats on on Instagram that were like these like engagement chats, right? And like those still probably exist in a in a way where like you'd see these like floods of people just like going and like fucking canceling and just like destroying accounts that like they just simply deemed like were just like shitty. And so like I think it is like a huge part of an emerging platform. And for some for some categories like Twitter have never figured it out. There is that just kind of like born negativity. But I think that like from a consumer side, like at least me personally, like I am now a TikTok YouTube person. Like I, I've actually almost exclusively stopped using like Instagram outside of the story placements. And like if I like accidentally click on the the Instagram Reels and I forget that I'm on Instagram Reels and not TikTok, I'll get lost on lost on the app that way. But I'm not finding myself using the other channels anymore. There's a lot I can say about this, but I I got to wrap this up. So the the one the one last thing I'll say before we plug your your channels and what we, where we, people can find you is. I, I lost my train of thought. TikTok. It <laughs> me off. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Like, All right. Next uh, time. Never bring up TikTok. Yeah. No, no. It's just, I'm, I'm not putting effort into it. And I also just, literally, there was one time where someone said something so damn mean. I actually screenshot it and turned it into an NFT. If you look on OpenSea. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Bad, bad perfy reviews, number one. This guy just tried to consume my soul. And I just... I don't think I responded to this person, but there were people on like the organic side of things. That was a paid ad for when I was running paid ads for a minute, but someone was so mean. I was like, dude, I don't know if what, like what's going on right now in your life, but as a human, like straight up, this is a founder. If you need anything, just DM me. Yeah. Like DM me. Like we could, we could talk through it. It was like that bad. And then they ultimately changed their tune. So I think people are trying to get a rise out of people. Ultimately, yeah. my, my whole thing was like, Hey, we're here for you if you need anything, but yeah, I'll, I'll close it with that. Trey, where can everyone find you? You can find our agency, uh, Good Peeps, at thepeeps.co. You can find me at ShreyVJ on every single one of the channels. S-H-R-A-Y, letter V for Victor, J for Joshi. So yeah, that's where you can see us. V for Vasa, please. V for Vasa. Then we'll change the dictionary for that one. Yeah, I, I hit you on story at the beginning of this episode. But Shrey, I'll tag everything in the in the show notes and I'll hit you if you have any questions. But thanks for joining, man. Really appreciate you. It was a good, great talk. Thanks for joining, or thanks for having me, rather. And let's do a part two of the Good Peeps pod when that pod launches. Absolutely. I'm down here. Oh, yeah.